Hello, Podnutsians. Welcome to The Makers, Episode 7. This is the podcast where we build, break, learn all kinds of stuff, whether it's 3D printers, CNC, um, designing, making, crashing, exploding, melting, or violently shattering is the newest one that we learned about. Um, my name is Dordor Geek over at Podnuts.com. We have host all kinds of shows over on Podnuts. From Linux, Android, computer repair, mini computer, goes on and on and on with all the different shows. Stop by, give them a look-see. Something tells me you'll find at least one other show you think is cool. Uh, Tonight we have joining us Chad. How's it going, Chad? What have you broken, built, or learned? Well, it's going good here, Dor. Um, (laughs) I've been just uh, rebuilding my uh, MPCNC. That's kind of what I've been working on this week. That's it? Nothing more? Nothing else? You know, that's a lot of stuff. I mean, I've had to redesign a lot of parts. Um, uh, yeah, I, I don't know what else you want from me. <laughs> Blood. Uh, we're also joined uh, a, uh, a again, who I'm hoping is a permanent host here, uh, James from Massachusetts, or currently in Massachusetts, which I can't pronounce. How's everything going, man? Uh, you playing coy, James? Playing hard to get? Sorry, I heard the phrase playing hard to get. Sorry if you were talking to me. I accidentally just yanked my um, headphone cable out when I turned my chair. I figured something got yanked. Um, just wondering this week if you had any uh, time to build, break, or learn. Plenty of time to break, a little bit of time to build. Uh, speaking of shattering, uh, I got my router running, uh, my laser running. And uh, we decided to uh, try to etch some glass with the Singularity Computers logo. A buddy of mine was uh, like, oh, cool, yeah, I got some glass. And he gave me a painted glass and realized it was tempered glass, which um, becomes relevant very shortly. So uh, we're playing around etching it and uh, put some logos in it. All was going well and smoothly. Then we decided to get the bright idea of pulling a hole through it with laser. And uh, we, uh, so we did. I let the laser go for about 30 seconds. And I was like, guys, this will probably like, you know, break it doing this. And uh, so I turned it off and the, the hole went most of the way through it. It was pretty cool. I let it sit there, did some other things. And uh, the guys kind of moved on. And then I go to move the pane of glass. And the second I touched it, I just was, oh, before I picked it up and moved it, the second I touched it, the thing freaking exploded everywhere. Like glass flew like 10 feet. It was, scared the heck out of me, but it was pretty awesome, actually. <laughs> um, I'd, uh, I'd been taking a little bit of video of it, and I wish I'd still had the camera running. But I'm thinking of trying it again on purpose, just because it was so cool. Um, however, if you're in a makerspace that's accessible to the public, I don't recommend you, uh, laser etch tempered glass. Uh, but yeah, that was my breaking for the week. Um, as far as my building, uh, got the router built. So tomorrow I'll be, uh, machining the spoil board down and then we'll start making stuff with it. Yeah, I you told me about that, and then r- literally hours later, I saw something saying a maker space burnt down, and I had to quickly l- look through the article just to see if it said it was in your state or not. 
<laughs> that is disturbingly plausible. <laughs> no, I didn't burn the place down. <laughs> the owner was like, oh, dude, don't burn my place down. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, he had a good laugh out of it, too. I mean, we were all kind of in on it. Um, but, you know, you have a 40-watt laser. I mean, you got to do something with it. So I'm sure I'll probably explode or incinerate or break a few other things, you know, before I get the hang of it. Oh, yeah. I, I have the exact same um, methodology with my cars. As soon as I get a new car, the first thing I do is I go to the largest parking lot that's empty that I can find. And I just go blitzkrieg and I see how fast I can accelerate, how fast I can brake. What happens when I turn the wheel really sharp going like 40 miles an hour kind of thing? Because uh, you got to know the limits. And the only way you know the limits is to test them. So what you're saying is you go to a Kmart parking lot because Kmart parking lots are always empty. Well, we have a <laughs> uh, C-Mart, which is even worse. <laughs> C-Mart. Oh, man, that's great. A C-Mart? I've never heard of C-Mart. I'm pretty sure it's a semi-local thing that basically it's when you couldn't afford Kmart as a uh, uh, family. You would instead go to C-Mart. This was before Dollar um, dollar General or Family Dollar existed. But I digress. Uh, we're also joined by Liam in uh, the Great South of America. How you doing, man? I'm here. I, I, I'm sorry, y'all. Okay. I was afraid of the next line after I'm here because... I was flashing back to some fake protests I've never been to before. Um, did you have any time this week to do any building, breaking, or learning? Um, I've started some building, and I'm, I'm going to be doing some building because some things are broken. I, I don't think I broke it, though. Um, I've got my Anet A8. I moved it out in the garage onto a plastic table, well, a folding table, which is where it's going to live. And uh, in the process of moving... It being pretty much 100 degrees in my garage all the time and the acrylic frame and the flexibility of a plastic table, it doesn't hold a, a level very well anymore. So I've, I've got all the parts in. I'm doing a little bit more printing and I'm going to be converting it over to 2040 extrusion for the entire frame so that it doesn't matter what it's sitting on. It's going gonna, it's gonna to stay square and leveled, but that's still in the process. Gotcha, gotcha. I, I I forgot to post it to Instagram, so I'm literally doing it right now. P A why is it P A I N T mask. Uh, my son. Uh, we didn't do a lot of building, but um, we did go to the local craft store and pick up a whole bunch of supplies that we needed. Um, extra paint, um, glue gun because you know you're always going to need a glue gun for stuff. Uh. Ig, Ig, uh, Zacto knife, which is a brand name, but whatever. And uh, a couple other things. Uh, so he, we, so we did more, you know, finishing touches kind of thing. Um, we also got the little beads cause, uh, he wants to do that isopath board as well, Liam. And he wants to do glass beads as the pieces. So we also got the foam backed adhesive stuff that you called, uh, funky foam, I believe. Yeah. Funky foam. Yeah, and that turns out to be a, uh, what was it, Hobby Lobby exclusive? It seems like it. Gotcha, gotcha. So we did that. Uh, he uh, painted his uh, Legend of Zelda Majora's Mask. He's, 
he's pretty satisfied with the output. Now we just got to figure out what's going to be a nice, convenient way for him to wear the mask. My wife said, literally one of the options is we can just put a stick on it kind of thing. And he can just hold it up to his face when he walks up to the door. I don't know about your kids. My kids always want to wear a mask for Halloween, but then less than 20 minutes into the walking around, they say it feels disgusting, hot, blah, 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 blah. And, and then they just want to take it off. Um, <laughs> I was just going to say that your kid did a really good job for his first time painting on a mask like that. I thought it was a really good job. Yeah, I was going to say the same. Um, I, uh, painting is such a pain. Um, and yeah, kids, the mask, it's, oh, it's, it, I want to wear it. It looks good. And then you're outside and it's dark and you can't see and you're falling over. And, and either the kid takes it off because it, it's horrible to see through or mom and dad realize he's going to kill himself. Make him take the mask off. Um, make the kid print something that'll uh, attach it to the top of his head like a hat. And then, you know, you can figure out the rest from there. If it's light enough, like uh, we always kind of go all out on Halloween cast costumes. Um Hot glue to a pair of sunglasses. Just pop the lenses out so we can still see. Just pick up some cheap $2 sunglasses. If the mask is light enough, just hot glue it to that. That's uh, what I've done for my kids' masks over the years. I uh, definitely like that idea. I'm going to have to see how heavy the mask is because, honestly, I can't remember. I can't recall. And it was just something that he found on uh, Thingiverse that we just downloaded and printed out. He did no designing to it at all. He has fallen into a rut of not designing things here for the last week and a half and just downloading stuff. And what I'm encouraging to do is find stuff online and then I want you to recreate it. I want you to design it. Um, uh, but he just downloaded, for instance, a, um, oh, there's a word for it. It's basically a uh, combination lock that he wants to print put together so he can have he is seeming to like moving functional things a little bit more than uh static objects but of course he always likes figurines um yeah i love those puzzle boxes and different things that you can print all in one piece i i like that but going back to the mask thing you know um you could get uh a flash shield the little plastic shields that when you're grinding and stuff, it doesn't hit you and stuff. And those have a swivel on them. You could just hot glue that to the mask and then you could just swivel it up, swivel it down. That might work too. Very cool. Yeah, I definitely remember that too. Um, yes, Liam typed it in the chat. Chat. It's called Cryptics. Uh, it's basically like one of the, uh, dare I say, Tom Hanks religious mystery m movie type of things you would see um uh, the other uh, building thing i had that actually went successful was i rebuilt uh, in so many words my octopry my octoprint server uh, i have a raspberry pi 3 when it first first came out um and i had trouble with raspbian running or the default octoprint uh image running on it just didn't run clean didn't run good would seem to lock up constant con consistently after about a day uh so i downloaded diet pie which is if there's any distro i'm infatuated with as an end user uh for these mini computers it's absolutely diet pie um it does and i will say 
it isn't the immediate easiest thing to use, but it has that initial hump that if you get over the first image burning correctly and the first boot successfully, everything else is unbelievably easy. Um, but but Octoprint wasn't available for it yet. I had to wait. I then did an update, and I updated another rig that I forgot that I haven't updated, my Raspberry Pi 2 running my Mattermost bot server. I upgraded it from Diet Pi version 116 to 154 and it literally went through each of the version upgrades and did an upgrade one after another after another after another took less than 30 minutes which is faster than most windows updates on a good computer just saying um so i installed 154 went through the menu installed octoprint bing bang boom there were a couple settings i had to go in and change i did have to change the um um the download path where it's going to store the up updates to octoprint uh but and it's been working fine for days no issues whatsoever in the diet pie interface i could easily disable the onboard wi-fi which i think was the issue i think it was conflicting which one to use um so it's been running great the problem is now i cannot seem to get the webcam working and i'm not sure if the drivers are not loaded by default or there's something else i need to do so I have moderate success, not full success. On your webcam, is that one of the ones that they list as uh, recommended? I have no idea because that would involve reading, Chad. But what I will say is it did work perfectly fine on the previous uh, installation using their suggested uh, download media. Well, I have a couple different cameras that I've tried with the octoprint and only one of them one of the logitech ones the older logitech i have seems to work but of course then you can't it does not focus you have to manually move it far enough away or move it in to get the focus and that's something i think they need to work on is getting some access to focusing and stuff Gotcha, gotcha. Um, I'll say the camera I used is a Logitech Quick Cam 9000. Uh, the whole reason I bought it was because the drivers for it were supposedly in the Linux kernel for years. Um, on every computer I've ever plugged it into, it just worked. I didn't have to do any extra tinkering around with it. Um, and it worked first time just fine. It also, I do not believe, did any auto-focusing, which was uh, disappointing. Um, I'll say that's more of their API interface to the webcam itself. So I am going to try a couple things. First thing I got to do, I got to first do the obvious test, which is bring that uh, webcam into my studio where I do my podcasting, plug it up to a different computer and make sure the damn thing still works. Because what if it just decided to die on me? Because it is old. Did you um, test to see if it was working on the port 8080? or just to see if the Raspberry Pi is picking it up? Um, I didn't have to because on the Logitech Quick Cam 9000, when it is engaged, there's an orange ring around the lens, which makes it very obvious that it's turned on, and I couldn't get the ring to turn on. I have a Logitech, too. Um, what I found is sometimes it you have to have it plugged in before you boot up the Raspberry Pi, otherwise it will not recognize it. Um, that's just, I don't know, stupid question. Did you have it plugged in before you booted up the Raspberry Pi? 
I'm not going to say yes. I will say I think it was plugged in while I did at least one reboot, uh, but I'm not 100% positive. I also know that uh, unlike the previous installation from their website, uh, stuff like the the streaming URL was not configured by default. That's why I'm 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 kind of leaning on the fact that it was a lack of base configuration when it was installed via DiPi. DiPi is not perfect. DiPi is not perfect. It wouldn't. And this is their first um, published iteration of having OctaPrint available to install. So it literally might be one of those things. Maybe in 155 or 156, it might be better. Um, I'll say for now, I'm not extremely stressed about the camera. It's a nicety. It would be really nice to have, but I'm not going to devote too much time to it. Worst case scenario, if I really do need a camera, uh, they do have webcam software in DiPi. So I'm tempted to try to run that external just for now, just to see if I can get the camera to work at all. But it's going to be a question of time. Yeah, you might want to check and see if it installed the, what is it, FFmpeg or whatever uh, stuff in there when it installed from Diapi. Yeah, that that was one of the things I saw. And then a couple people were saying there is no FFmpeg that is available for any Raspberry Pi. What instead gets installed is something called, uh, I want to say, AS Video. And then what the distros do on ARM is they make an alias named FFmpeg to the other application for it to work. But I wasn't, it didn't, they didn't sound, it, it didn't seem like that, that information was coming from sources I would say are really trusted. You know what I mean? They, they were just random form postings. So I am tempted, because here's the beautiful thing about all Pi devices, all mini computer devices. You don't have to reformat. You don't have to reconfigure. You don't have to back up. You don't have to clone. You, you just simply pull out the SD card, put in a different SD card, you know, go back to the other one and just see how that one works and then take that card out and put the other one back in. It's very easy to swap drives. Yeah, I just looked at mine here. Um, it's an M MJPEG uh, streamer is what the uh, it's coming up as. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, uh, I, I I hope to have time to play with it, but I'm not sure I will. Um, I didn't really do any more making or breaking, but I will say I almost fell into a OCD hole when I was at the craft store because we were walking down the aisle, and my son said, hey, Dad, that says origami. Oh, God, i got to walk down that aisle now. Um, I almost bought a stack of origami paper, but I'm pretty sure if I went there down that aisle, I would... And I've gotten even less stuff done this week. Yeah, I was just at um, Hobby Lobby, because that's what's closest to me. And I love it and hate it going in there, because it's like, oh, that I could do something like that. Oh, oh. And it just started going down a rabbit hole. Gotcha, gotcha. It looks like my, it looks like my son might have unplugged the Pi computer in there, uh, or no, he's had a habit because now he's extra safety conscious. When he turns the printer off, he also turns off the surge via power strip. So I'm thinking that's what might have happened because I just tried to ping the server and I'm not able to, but I'll play with it. Um, first actual topic topic, uh, Liam wants to talk about the A-Net, and A-Net is one of the uh, models of 3D printers that you can get for, I want to say, under $200, Liam. Yeah, going price tends to be 160 ish. Um, you can generally get free delivery if you're patient with that as well. Um, so yeah, I, I, I somebody had posted on Facebook group or 
Thingiverse, somewhere on a social network, I uh, came across the ANET AM8 is what it's listed as under the, the Thingiverse. That's how you can find it. And it's a great build guide. You got a bill of materials with current links to get all the parts. Uh, and it's just taking and replacing all the acrylic with 2040 aluminum um, to get some nice, you know, a nice stable frame. So you have a good platform because acrylic's going to sag. It's going to loosen up over time. It's kind of rickety to begin with. I mean, I, I'm thoroughly impressed with how well that machine performed for the price and the build quality on it. But making it better is not going to hurt anything by any means. What's the build volume on it at that price? 205 by 220 by like 200. Well, that's not bad. Wow. And it's got a good, um, good heated bed, great community. Um, that's the same one Chad has. It's got, uh, there's a guy developing some nice firmware, the, the Skynet. And uh, it's just an all around good, good platform. It is a great platform if you're willing to spend eight hours building it. It is really awesome, but you build everything on it. Yeah, it's it's a great printer printer to get if you want to learn how printers work and how to maintain them and what kind of problems and kinematics and all that jazz. If you just want something to take out of a box and print with, do not get it. Yeah, and um, what I'll say is if you're already, I don't want to say handy with tools because it makes it sound stupid, like this is an episode of Home Improvement. Um, if you're comfortable around tools, my logic is you'll be perfectly fine putting it together. It's just a question of time. Uh, for someone who's not great with tools, the time and combination of having to use tools might make you go crazy. I, I enjoy building, um, and that it, it was enjoyable. The, the worst part about building it was peeling off all of the uh, protective film from the acrylic. Um, the OCD part of me had to, even though I know it's not going to make a lick of difference in uh, how it works. I, I had to peel it, and man, it was horrible. That was the worst part. The rest of it was fine. And that's including um, bad parts. I had a power supply that died almost immediately, as well as the main board. Um, I, I, I seem to get the, I guess, out of the five printers I've got, strangely enough, FT5 <laughs> had the least problems out of the box, which is weird because for the build volume on that thing, it was it was cheap. And all the other printers I've got, every one of them out of the box had some sort of showstopper. Yeah, if it will fail, Liam will buy it. We'll get it working eventually. Yeah, I've got a pretty similar track record with stuff like that. Um, a couple of my printers have been like that. My router's been like that. Um, my Fidel has been like that. So <laughs> I think it just comes with the whole um, territory of yeah, doing this kind of thing. Nice thing, though, is if you do have to build it or repair it, you learn how it works. You know, if you buy it out of the box and plug it in and use it, I mean, nothing wrong with that. But, you know, if you have to put it together, if you have issues and stuff like that, you get to learn how it actually works. So down the road, um, I think you're going to be a little more competent at tweaking it or if something goes wrong. You're going to kind of already know what systems are what and where they are and how they're wired and probably would deal with it a little easier. Yeah, and it definitely gives you the, the knowledge to know when you're looking at new stuff, uh, whether it be cars, printers, whatever. When you, when you have one that you've had to work on, it gives you a little bit extra knowledge going forward for the next one on things to look for and 
what you actually want versus what you need and what you can get away with with your budget and it just that knowledge brings a lot to to the hobby for sure but i don't want to conf- i just don't want people to think that the anet is a hard machine to build it's not hard to build it's actually very easy it's just time very time consuming it eats up some time to build it yeah no it was an enjoyable build it went together fine um instructions were clear enough uh, probably about two-thirds of the way through i just set them aside and finished what was obviously going to happen with the thing uh, if it hadn't been for peeling the acrylic it, it would have been complete joy even with the failures that i had um, that just comes with the territory I, I i would honestly pay an extra 10 or to 20 30 dollars to have it pre-peeled because it, it was horrible well, it takes like an hour to peel all them little parts and everything. Oh, it was, yeah, that's the worst part about the build. But yeah, it's getting a it's getting an upgrade. Um, same 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 all the uh, same parts, uh, same build volume and all that, but just way better solid base on it. A um, little bit more open um, platform, so cooling will be a little bit more easy. Um, I'll uh, I'll be sure to post up some photos as it as it gets along. Well, if you already have an ANET, your upgrade system, that thing you, what you bought is great. That would, that would be great. You know, I'm thinking about it, but I keep mine in a climate controlled area. But I think for the money, if you're worried about that, that you might have to upgrade it because of the acrylic, there is other printers out there that are pretty much what you're updating to, you know. There is the tarantula and different other ones that are basically what you're going to be upgrading to. Yeah, no, hindsight being what it is, you just pick a different machine. But when you already get the parts and it's $40, $50 in additional parts, you go ahead and do it that route instead of buying a new one and having one that just sits around. Yeah, $40, $50 ain't nothing. I spent more than $70 when I went to the uh, craft store buying, you know, um, um, paint, um, spray paint and stuff. Um, uh, the, here's a question is the upgrade I'm going to guess is going to be, and I'm sorry if you already said this, I was playing with my Octoprint. Um, I'm going to guess there's two things going on with the bed upgrade. One different material possibly to print on. And two, uh, was this the printer that you guys were complaining about the speed of the bed heating up? Uh, no, no. The, uh, the one I was complaining about the bed heating up is my FT5. Uh, this is the ANET A8, the one that Chad has, and the bed's not changing out on it. It's going to be the actual frame itself. Uh, if you take a look at the link there, that's that's what it's going to look like when it's done. Um, and you can see that the frame is all 2040 aluminum extrusions now. Um, in the notes there, Dor, the we have Aaron had wanted us to kind of talk about somebody had changed their thermistor and was having problems or changed their whole heated bed system and uh was having problems with getting errors in his on his printer and what we kind of i think that's what we kind of came up with is that he needed to reflash his firmware with the right uh thermistor settings yeah he 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 had changed out his thermistor from an ntc xyz to an ntc some other number and you've you've got to you've got to update that in your firmware usually it's in the what h config and you change the the uh, 
their Mr. Number. Oh, okay. I feel like I'm in the movie Megamind, and you guys keep saying Matrocity. Thermistor? <laughs> is it like a thermometer, but you guys just feel like saying it fancy? What the hell is a thermistor? The ther- and thermists. No. <laughs> it's a resistor. It's a basically a resistor that's active by temperature. Um, so it's a thermistor. It's a thermostat, but by resistance. Yeah, it uh, measures the uh, resistance on the circuit and determines the temperature from that. I mean, like any resistor is going to resist a little more if it gets hot, but they're specifically built to do so in a, you know, predictable way. So, yeah, it's like a thermocouple, but they're uh, simpler and cheaper. Well, um, most things have more resistance as the temperature increases because there's more energy in the system. So it takes the electrons more energy to get through it. Um but most of the thermistors we use are NTC, which is a negative temperature correlation. So as the temperature goes up, the resistance actually goes down. That's what the NTC signifies versus a PTC, a positive um, temperature uh, temperature curve correlation, whatever the C is. Oh, okay. I wondered what that stood for. Yeah, I've never known that either. Yeah, that's that's nice to know. I think I followed most of it. Thank you, Liam. I was going to make another mega mine comment but i can't remember any more of the movie because i tried to black most of that one out well door you remember the rules of the show if you have any questions if you don't understand something we're saying you have to ask about it or a listener ding 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 and we did get an email uh from christian captain zero um he said i don't think you have a g plus group for the 3d printing show here's a link for you to do with as you wish and liam Reference the Princess Bride when you saw that. Uh, okay, um, this is one of those combination topics. This could easily be on the mini PC show because it is a Raspberry Pi, but it's also perfectly applicable to be on this show as well. Uh, it's a guy over at projectable.me projects by Daniel something. Um, he, he only has two projects on his website right now. First, he has a fine, a fine looking WordPress site, which just means he basically modified the default theme. Um, and he uses really hard to read font, at least a little bit, and it just hurts my eyes. But that's me. Uh, but he has a good project on here called Raspberry Pi Touch Screen Octoprint Con, o- Octoprint Conum, Conum Troller. And he. He does a good job, a really good job. Not a fantastic, outstanding, crazy, but he's a really good job documenting the process on what he did, what he needed to do to get this all done, all of the Linux commands that scare some people off in order to get everything up and running uh, to get this little good-looking box basically connected to his 3D printer or right next to it, which is a touchscreen control with a very simple interface so you can easily stop pause start a print go into your settings see some configurations see the temperature output kind of thing i gotta say i am a big fan of this project the only thing that's going to hold me off on this and this is what i've found with all mini computing projects is the screens are always in my opinion unnaturally priced the raspberry pi 35 bucks um 
the screen 70 80 bucks kind of thing so i'm going to see how much i can get one of these screens for and if it seems like it is at a fairer price i am not going to lie i am really tempted to do this just because i think it looks cool yeah i thought it was a very neat project i don't really go to my printer to do anything though with octoprint it's all done from my laptop i don't or my or the android phone i don't ever actually touch much of the uh, controls so i don't know gotcha gotcha well it looks on it looks like on adafruit which is one of the premier websites for raspberry pi accessories and components it looks like it's 44 bucks which i gotta say is is doable for me it's very doable for me but here's the thing you don't well i'll say this the devil's advocate is you don't need this to be right next to your printer if you want um, um well you need the usb cable so you either need a long USB cable, yeah, it's going to have to be remotely close to it. See, because I keep thinking about a remote. Well, let me see. Did he, did he actually, because it wouldn't shock me if he has the Octoprint on one device and this interface on another device, maybe? Because that would be nice. Mm, I, think I mean, you is. can do Ethernet over, I mean, uh, USB over Ethernet adapters. Very good point. Mm. I just like this. I just think it's cool. It's one of those things. In a week or two, I might forget about it and then never want to do it again. But at least right now, I think it's a really good job. I I like it. I like the functionality of it if you're used to going to your printer and stuff and being right at it. But at the same time, there's Android apps that basically do that on any Android. Uh, You got uh, print. Oh, oh, now I can't remember the name of it. Print Droid. Is that what it is? Yeah, that's what it is. That um, it's basically a wireless controller for your printer too. I mean, with using Octoprint as a server, you can connect to it from almost anywhere. So I don't know. I like it, but would I do it? No. That's like saying, you know, she's really good looking, but, you know, she's just not my type. Okay, and I mean, it's not my type. And that is the case sometimes. Um, that's I, I would. That's the kind of controller I would use if I have one that's sitting out next to me all the time, or I have one for display, or I'm taken to a uh, a show of some sort. Yeah, if you're going to show off how cool it can be, because it is definitely cool. Yeah, and I will say the 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 biggest reason why I don't need to do that side project is because you have. Yeah, it's not print droid, it's P-R-I-N-T-O-I-D. There's no, there's only one D, printoid. Printoid premium, I went all out, all out, bought that premium one. Dude, this is definitely among the higher polished Android applications I've seen, period. Not just regarding Raspberry Pi, mini computer, 3D printing or whatever, period. This thing is designed and flows better than most corporate applications. Like if you've ever had to use Outlook on Android and then you switch over to this application, you'll wonder why isn't the guy who did this application stinking rich? Yeah, it's it. He there's a rapid development. He's very responsive. Um, I I've tried it several times over the last little over a year. And every time I go into it and update it, it's just that much better and more polished. It's nice and fast. Uh, it's it's a great app. I mean, if you get a a spare Android device sitting around, set it up on there and just 
you know, designate it for the print use. Um, and then on the on the pie, I mean, if if you're going to be doing like a trade show and you have a little cart that you're going to put a CNC or a printer on, that's the perfect place to do that uh, that pie controller with the touch screen. Good point. Yeah, that's the kind of thing that that would be good for. Built one uh, a while back with my kids, just mostly for the experience of building it. But um, yeah, it's not really my way of running a printer. But they are very cool. Very cool, very cool. Um, next topic here. Um, I'm totally just stealing this topic because when I came into our Mumble server pre-show, you guys were already talking about this, and then I was reminded that I forgot that I was told to go like whatever. Okay. Um, Liam shared a YouTube video. The YouTube video will be in the link, and unfortunately, it's a British guy. Sorry, British guys. Um, Maker's Muse, who I will say Australian. Right, Australian. Well, then that's okay, right? He's okay. Yeah, he, he he's different. Yeah, yeah. Um, this guy puts out some damn good videos, is what I'm going to say. Uh, I'm almost jealous at the quality of stuff he puts out because a lot of his videos do have a lot of really good information in them. Uh, so I encourage people just go look at his channel, subscribe, see what he does, see if you like it. But this video was called Top Three Free. 3d printing slicers 2017 he obviously knows how to do youtube seo in titles let me tell you something um and he and he goes over the prusa slicer the um cura slicer which i have experience with cura and i can tell you i'm no expert but everything he said about that slicer seemed abundantly accurate to me uh so to me that gave him more credit in my book and then he went on to talk about this next slicer called I um Aya Aya Dia Maker, which is by Raise Three D, which uh, you guys said also make printers. Yeah, they have uh, a couple. The uh, Raise in into and into plus, I believe, a very uh, large format, uh, very industrial looking. It's it's it it, it feels like something that's meant for. Um, higher-end production, but it's kind of mid-range price-wise compared to something that actually would be for production. Wow, yeah, they, they have one here that is 12 by 12 by 24 inches, which also indicates to me they're clearly a United States-based company. Yeah, and if you look at some of their pictures, they print, like, full statues. So they've got big printers. They, they do some nice prints. Yeah, I got to check out their printers at a trade show. Um, they do do some nice prints, but they're a little pricey. You know, they're not the hobbyist printer. They're kind of an odd bird, actually, because, I mean, I've used, you know, obvious printers. I've used industrial printers, and they're kind of trying to, like, be in between or something. I'm not really sure what the strategy is there. It's like uh, a lot of the industrial printers will, you know, cost two, three times as much as what they're charging but also um better printers i mean that's nothing against them at all it's you know you're spending that kind of money on a printer uh you kind of expect something but then like they're kind of a little bit beyond the range of the average hobbyist i'm i'm i don't know maybe they're hoping to target like maker spaces or uh you know small companies or something like that i don't know but they do i mean the the prints looked great once i saw printing and I hadn't seen the software before, but I'm glad uh, 
you guys showed it to me because I'm definitely going to be playing uh, playing around with it tomorrow. It looks good. Yeah, it definitely seems like they're after the prosumer market. Um, it it kind of feels like they're late to the game on it for for the price and the quality. I mean, I, I maybe it's the trust fund kids or the startups or the R and D um, department at small business. I I don't know. I, I mean, they're they're clearly doing something right. They're still around. They're selling these things, but it it definitely feels like they might have not quite hit the market like they intended to. Well, yeah. I think they're kind of um, everything you guys are saying, but that software that they're putting out there for their for their system is really nice, and um, it's usable by you know it's free and we can you you can use it for any printer pretty much. So I mean they're doing something on the software end, right? Yeah, definitely. I can't wait to use it. I mean, it looks like it's got some features that Simplify 3D doesn't have, which is, you know, what, 150 bucks around? Yeah, I'll say, initially, when I first loaded it, a couple things caught me. Number one, it has a dark interface. Not black, but really dark gray interface, which to me is very easy on the eyes. Things pop out a little bit better, so that was the first thing I really liked. The second thing I really liked was they have, like, a real... ah, toolbar across the top uh which has full word descriptions and icons on them as well um which to me just makes i don't want to say the i don't want to use the word um in um in um in intuitive but i will say easily discoverable key features kind of thing um also the very first print i loaded purposely wouldn't fit on the bed and it asked me if i wanted it to automatically re Re, um, re, um, size the print so it would fit. So to me, that was a great option. But, Dory, that was the first thing you liked about it. Um, how about that? It's any platform, pretty much, uh, Linux, Mac, Windows, you know, it's usable on all of them. So, oh, yeah, that's a huge plus in my book because then I know I can suggest other people to use it. The real reason i end up using the software i use is so if somebody else doesn't know how to use it i can help them i mean to be honest that's one reason why i do choose my software so if they're i'll just say this hypothetically maybe their printers aren't doing as good as maybe they could should would want maybe an option would be for them is to take this software release it free and then uh, have extremely high-end plugins that cost money because i can tell you in my opinion opinion when i look at this software and i just play around with it a little bit they do software right oh they definitely have some good some good minds behind this software and they're taking some of the best things from other software and putting it into theirs you know there isn't i haven't found anything that's like why would you put this in here i mean it's it's really good stuff i mean it's got that i like the max fit so you can take a model uh, you know, a decorative model or something, and just click on Max Fit, and it's going to make it as big as it can into the uh, build play without a lot of messing around. Yeah, I, I haven't printed anything yet with this, but what I'll ask you guys is some of the features that really stick out to you, can you go over what they are and why they are cool to have? So probably the main one that you'd want to try it for if you're already using a free slicer is the customizable supports. That's kind of always been Simplify 3D's big claim to fame. 
when everybody says, oh, I'm, I'm on Cura and I need or I do this or I do that. Well, everybody's answer that's on Simplify 3D is like, oh, oh, oh well, you can't do manual supports. I can. Ha ha. Um, that's, of course, ignoring craftware, which ah, it, it has some promise. It slices quick, but it's just not user friendly, at least not no, how I messed with it. But this is more or less a, a, a drop in replacement for the way Simplify 3D handles uh, manual supports. So that would probably be the biggest standout on it or the, the feature that people go, oh, I should try it because of that. Yeah. And I'll say to me, that's the feature that when I saw, it was one of the things that I immediately comprehended because there's been more than one print where I know this one thing over here needs support. And then I click generate support. And then I say to myself, what the hell is all this? I don't need all this. So having the option to go in and selectively say, get rid of. But also the other thing was when you do support, one of the options was the guy said in the video, like column support. So you know your printer can bridge, let's say, hypothetically five inches, but you have a eight inch gap. You don't need support the whole way across that gap. In my opinion, maybe two columns of support equally spread out would be perfectly fine. Yeah. I mean, you, you know, your printer better than anybody else does or, or should anyways. Um, so, you know, that you can get away with print time wise and, and, uh, based upon the kinematics and your current, uh, filaments and temperatures and all that. Um, there's no reason to rely on the slicer to, to put supports everywhere when you know you're only going to need them in a couple places. And then oftentimes you're printing something that somebody else created that if you did make it yourself, maybe you would have put the uh, the built-in supports in the STL. But, well, now to do that after the fact is going to be a huge pain. It's just, it's just great to be able to have the ability to put in manual support structures. Well, it's not even just the manual support structures. It's got an adjustable auto support structure too. So like if you know your printer can do at a certain angle, but you know, after it gets past, you know, whatever angle it is, you can change that in here to uh, only create supports after it's at 80 degrees or whatever, you know, whatever your printer, you know, your printer can handle. Um, that's what I kind of like is that I know what my printer can handle for overhangs and stuff. And you can adjust your auto, the, just the auto supports to fit that. Is that not an option in Cura? I mean, that's, that's the same way it is in Simplify and I, that's just where I live. So I'm, I, if, if it's not like that in Cura, I, I'm unaware of. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I don't think it is. The supports are supports. I've never looked into it either, really. But I've just kind of went with either touching bed or not touching bed, you know, or full full support or just touching the build plate, you know. The other thing I really liked, and it was the ability to cut models that are too big for the bed with a cutting plane so you can divide them up. Because usually, you know, you do that in CAD, and uh, that can be kind of a pain. So, yeah, it's nice to be able, like, if you download something from Thingiverse, cutting a mesh in CAD is much more difficult than cutting the original source file in CAD. So, just to be able to do that, uh, it's probably, I mean, that's kind of a, uh, that alone would switch me over to using this if I can get all the other features and simplify that I like. Um, even if a couple of them are missing, just that alone is, is nice. 
The other thing I really like about it, you know, is you can install it on Linux. So for hobbyists that are maybe like me, router off of Linux CNC, um, I can have my same box also run a 3D printer, you know, and whatever else I got in there. Um, you know, I don't need to worry about like multiple systems and stuff like that out on the floor, you know, because I mean, you can run Linux. Uh, you know, it'll handle my router, my 3D printer just fine if it's running Linux and it's going to bog right down if it's running Windows. Well, you were talking about the uh, slicing or cutting your print. What's nice, too, is that you can do it at angles, too. It doesn't have to be just cut at a Z level. You can do it at angles and stuff. That cutting tool is very nice. And another feature I really liked is the auto-fixing of meshes so you can have it um if you get a mesh off a thing averse that isn't quite manifold right you know the nothing something isn't closed up right you can do an auto repair on it or you can just repair one face or one feature there's just so many features that this has that kira does not offer and i've been a kira user now Granted, I haven't printed anything that's that, that that it's sliced. I will be doing that tomorrow. So on the next show, we'll have to talk about what it actually produces a print like, you know. Um, and, and regardless of whether you use it or you like it or you hate it or, or it doesn't meet your needs, it, at the very least, it helps to push forward the uh, development of the other slicers. Um, did you guys happen to notice if it supports multiple processes? Because multiple processes with that adjustable plane cut, that's getting into the territory that we were talking earlier today about. Yeah, I think you can, um, if you do the cut, you can change the process for each, each whatever, wherever you do the cut at. But then again, I haven't really used it. It's just in their videos and different things I've seen that it is possible to do that so yeah that's the thing i just downloaded it and installed it minutes before we recorded which is actually a little bit longer than minutes but i haven't had a chance to do it yet um i'm gonna say i would probably i would it this way liam hit it on the head for me i'm a stickler for wanting competition i want everybody to be forced to step their game up and this is the kind of software where i i believe it's really good so far at least i really hope it follows through i really hope it does what it looks like it can do and then everybody's going to be on notice now guys we got to start to do these features because i don't want to talk ill about um about um about um kira it did perfectly fine i i, I couldn't pronounce the damn thing for a couple weeks but it worked perfectly fine um the one thing i will ask people to do though this is a personal favor to the show if you Click the link and you watch the video. I'm going to ask everyone to do one thing. The guy only has uh, uh, 29,000 views, which on YouTube to me, the quality of content he's putting out, 26,000 or 29,000 is not enough um, with only 1,000 likes. I'll ask people to go watch the video, uh, subscribe if you want, but watch this video. It's a really good video. And if you want to, why not? Put a little note in his comments saying you found out about this show on the podcast called The Makers over at Ponos.com. You know, can't hurt, right? Yeah, I'll definitely do that.
Yeah. Um, so I'm, I really have high hopes for this. Uh, the other thing, I believe, was this the one? Because we only went over two of the features. I think there was a couple more. Was this the one that could do both Vaz printing at the same time as, um, I guess, normal printing? I think that Simplify 3D, this might do it, but I don't know um, if it supports multiple processes or not. It kind of looked like it did, but yeah, I don't know if specifically it does that. Uh, But Simplify 3D does with their new um, 4.0 release. it does have a uh, vase mode. I'm digging through right now to see if it supports multiple profiles and it doesn't look like it. If, if I find that it does before the show's over, I'll, I'll mention it. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, yeah. Cause I do want to play with that. And um, Jonas has got me at least thinking I have to print at least one thing in vase mode just so I can say that I did it. Uh, so I'm going to see if I can find something before next week. Uh, the gimmick is, is I don't want it to just be, a tube that goes up and, you know, widens or narrows when it goes up. I want something that actually looks interesting, maybe a little bit different. I designed a cool vase I can send you an STL for, but, uh, yeah, it's, uh, I mean, it's still a vase. (laughs) I think it's cool, though. Um, It's like a weird uh, fractal star pattern that, like, rotates as it goes up. Sounds cool to me. Yeah, and my son uh, loaded up the blue translucent filament before he uh, started his print here last. Uh, I haven't had a chance to look at it yet, so after this show, I'll go in and see. Um, what do you, oh, uh, maybe, I don't know what he was printing. It might have been the cryptics lock, now that I said it out loud. So I'll, I'll check that out after the show, but we will definitely come back with our you know thoughts and opinions on this software next week, at least some of us here um, kind of thing positively. Uh, I, I'm really having high hopes for this thing. It, 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 and, you know, it, and like Liam said, I just hope it drives more competition. Yeah, I'm going to definitely try to use this and get used to it. I like some of the features it's got. Very cool, very cool. Yeah, I'm definitely going to try it out too. I got a lot of printing to do this week and I think I'm going to pull out a certain like segment of those parts that uh, I'm going to try with this slicer. Some of the simpler ones just to see how it goes and then maybe some of the more complicated stuff. Yeah, I want to do some side-by-side testing. Uh, slice the same model in Kira and with this and see what kind of uh, results I get. Just did a quick search on their... Uh site and their release notes and there's nothing about multiple processes it doesn't there's there's feature requests for it but it doesn't look like it's currently a thing with it uh it's a shame but at the same time like 98 percent of my prints i just use the same process throughout so not that big a deal but uh i will say that is a nice feature in simplify 3d um yeah i think i'll uh probably try and see you know just how this goes over the next week i really really like being able to divide the model up into sections that fit on your build plate oh hell yeah there's more than a couple prints that i've downloaded or stls i've downloaded i'm thinking this is gonna be really cool and then i go and i'm like i only you know this isn't right that isn't right and like my son pointed out uh, i was looking to print a banana pie pro 
case that also held a 2.5 inch hard drive because that's one of my servers I have that's literally like over 100 days, uh, over 200 days of uptime kind of thing. It just runs. Uh, but but the case that it's currently in is a piece of crap. It's falling apart. It costs like eight bucks off of eBay. It was eight bucks I would have been better spent just literally throwing down the street. Um, but it was too big for the build plate, and I couldn't do anything about it. Well, he also noticed one of the pins came out almost deformed, so I could try to fix it, or it had two pins, and they were the exact same thing. I could just take it, cut it into the pieces, take the bad pin, delete it, take the other pin, highlight it, and just hit duplicate one, and then voila, I have myself two perfectly usable pins again. Yeah, that works. Very cool. Oh, uh, we talked about using PVA last week, um, possibly for as a, you know, sticking stuff down to the bed. I tried it out a few times. Um, mixed results. Uh, jury's still out. Some, I mean, it did all right. It did all right. But uh, it seemed like it came up a little bit more than thick. But I, I don't know. I still want to play around with it a little more see if a thicker layer works or something like that um but uh the upside was the advantage it definitely did have over glue stick is the finish on the bottom of the prints was immaculate like it looked way better than you know because glue stick you get kind of a streaky matte finish pva dries you know just about as smooth as glass um so unfortunately stuff like that as if it's just doing it on bare glass a little better than bare glass, but not quite as good as glue stick. But, you know, I'm going to play around with it a little more. All in all, I'd say that if uh, finish is critical and you're not too worried about warping, um, then, yeah, that's probably a good option. But, like, for some something like ABS that's really prone to warping, it's probably not going to work out. Is it something you're going to continue to test or you've taken it as far as you think you need to? I'll try it out sore. Um, just, you know, I'll, uh, you know, try using a little bit of a thicker layer or stuff like that and see if it makes a difference. I'm not sure if it will or not. But, yeah, I'll, I'll play around with a little bit more. Um, I also test it only on heated beds. I want to test it on an unheated bed and see if the performance is different on an unheated bed you know like maybe it's better than glue stick on an unheated bed or something like that um because some stuff to be honest um i'd rather do on an unheated bed uh even i mean you get better adhesion on a heated bed obviously um but uh like sometimes i'm printing stuff for little kids and their you know fingers are all in it while it's printing and stuff like that and a lot of times they like brush up against you know they 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 i mean they're not real hot still you get little kids running around that you're you know cousins and stuff like that i do actually sometimes intentionally run unheated beds just because i know they're going to be all up in it so uh you know stuff tends to pop off but uh yeah i'll play around with it a little bit more now I, I i assume i don't know this but i assume that you put it on you let it dry and then you're then you print on it that it's not something you start to print while it's still tacky or wet right yeah yeah i let it dry um actually i tried 
um, ambient, and then I tried putting it down on a heated bed and uh, letting it dry to see if that kind of made any difference to the finish. Um, very little, pretty much. Uh, if you put it down on a heated bed, work. Um, if you've never used PVA, it has sort of a gelatinous stage in between wet and dry, and that gelatinous stage, like if you brush it down or wipe it down with a paper towel and you go back over a spot you did that's already started to harden a little, it just kind of like lumps up and tears off, not really hard yet. Um, but I found on the heated bed, it dried like in 30 seconds, you know, rather than five minutes or whatever. So to work really fast if you're applying it to a bed that was already warm. Um, but yeah, then 30 seconds later, you're ready to print. So if you apply it to a bed, that's uh, at a normal rate. But I took some, uh, poured it on a paper towel and just wiped it down. And that worked all right. Um, you know, I kind of wish it had worked a little better because the finish looks really good. But um, yeah, it's... It's holding power was kind of equivalent to luck I've had with the blue tape. You know, it's it it does the job, but could be better. Might be worth trying to scuff it up a little after it dries just to see if that gives you any difference in adhesion. Um, yeah, oh, some- for a second coat, because the second coat finish usually is a little rougher than the first. It might kind of give it something to grab. Yeah, yeah. It, it, I mean, it's, it's always good to try new things. Um, something to note. Um, PVA, as we found out last week, I, it may have been after the show or during the show, but I don't think we talked about it. There's there's PVA as in glue, which is polyvinyl acetate, and then there's what he's talking about, which is polyvinyl alcohol. Um, PVA glue is not alcohol soluble. It makes a, a nasty mess. Um, I've tried when I was experimenting with uh, adhesion to mix some white glue with some alcohol and... Uh, so I could get a nice thin layer on a on a uh, build plate, and uh, yeah, don't don't do that. <laughs> Does not work out well. Yeah, they're not the same thing. They're similar, but they're definitely not the same thing. Uh, yeah, one's a glue, the other's a mold release. So properties are a little different. Well, and they're both just commonly referred to as PVA. And unless you know which one is which, you could be ordering the wrong thing. Yep. Yeah, if you do order some and it's uh, not green, like a weird kind of group shade of like, uh, you know, alien blood green that you'd see on like a B-movie, then it's not polyvinyl alcohol. Stuff's green. It has a really weird smell. Uh, Polyvinyl acetate, um, generally kind of whitish or clear, and smells like Elmer's glue. You know, suddenly... I am wondering. It it has a vinegar smell, doesn't it? Acetate is vinegar. Yeah. Um, Back from my college chemistry days. Um, Yeah. Um, Acetate is vinegar and has like, yeah, like caulk. You know, you smell it in some caulks and stuff. It's like it got a very distinct vinegary smell. It's kind of weak in the glue, but you can still smell it if you get right up to it. Uh, PVA, if you uh, open a container and like just leave it sitting open, everybody in the room will smell it before too long. Like it's a weird alcohol kind of 
chemical like smell like it's very distinctive once you smelled it you'll go oh okay yeah i'm suddenly realizing that this is probably what the airwolf 3d wolf bite nano is because it's a green substance and it has that weird semi vinegar smell and it's designed for heated beds uh pla they have two other formulations one for like nylons and pet g and one for abs but it, it worked great at least the stuff they had it was a uh, it's called wolf bite nano at least the one that's for pla anyway I, I threw a link in the chat i have some of it i didn't like the way it goes down um it, it works great but it just i didn't like the process of putting it on yeah if it's got the vintage smell it's the glue stuff the polyvinyl alcohol definitely doesn't have a vinegar smell but you know, if you get if you can get a uh, liquid form or glue stick, maybe that's going to work pretty well anyway. What about the process you like? Because I'm thinking of trying this stuff now. Um, it just I never got it on there to go down nice and smooth. There was always bubbles, regardless of whether I used a uh, cloth or a uh, um, one of the sponge applicators. I just I didn't like the way I never got it clean. But to be fair, I probably was putting it down while it was warm still. And it does dry pretty quick. Yeah, the green, like the, the PVA, the polyvinyl alcohol is pretty easy to put down. It just like flattens itself with a nice smooth sheet. doesn't really hold bubbles or anything. And, you know, as long as you're kind of quick with it. Um, but, yeah, it goes down really easy. That's one nice thing about it. And to be fair, I was new to printing when I used this last. I mean, I've still got it sitting at the office sealed up. I might have to try it again. Um, I'd take a look at the MSDS on it because I bet it's a a, a PVA uh, acetate. Yeah, I bet you're right. Gotcha, gotcha. Very cool. Um, looks like the well, first of all, Jonas is joined us. How is everything going, man? Going pretty well. Can you hear me? Yes, sir. Great. Yeah. Well, I haven't broken too many things. Um, did a little modification on my printer. And started using new PLA. Very cool, very cool. Um, what kind of um, modifications have you done? Well, I printed another um, mount for the E3D V6 hot end. Uh, it's a little more solid, so hopefully I get better prints out of it. And I used the, uh, the new edge filament I got in the British Racing Green, which is kind of interesting. I got a picture of that on the, on the links there. Yeah, um, this site, this is the same site we brought up, I want to say episode one, maybe, where we were looking at the um, vol, the um, vol, volcano hot end. Um, the filament, though, the edge filament is what it's called, is supposed to give you better prints? Well, it's a some kind of combination of PET-G and PLA. They say on the site that it's uh, PET-G with PLA properties which is pretty accurate. It, it prints really nicely and, um, you know, printing clear and green and, uh, well, clear and green is what I've got right now. It's a really nice result. And the green that I got actually has kind of a, it almost has, looks like it has glitter in it or something, but it's got a, like a weird sheen to it. That's kind of interesting. You had me at glitter. Except the glitter doesn't get all over you like every other glitter in the world. <laughs> Oh God, yeah, I've got uh, two uh, young girls that uh, I've probably got a pound of glitter scattered across my house at any time. 
so many times I go to work and people would be like, yeah, you got something on your face there. <laughs> nice. Um, yeah. And I will say these, the, um, colors they have, um, that are the colors are not just black or kind of thing are really like popping bright contrasty colors, which to be honest, I like, I, what I'm finding is I don't like duller colors unless of course you want to go with like a gray or a silver or a black to have a green that's actually eye-catching green and not like pea soup green i think is really good one of the other things is they have um multiple colors of gray so the grays you choose from are not just like battleship gray or black there's like an off black a really dark gray light gray super dark black all that kind of in between very cool very cool indeed um yeah i will say i don't want to say i'm running out of filament but i think i understand the itch to always have i don't know i guess multiple rolls just so in case just so in case just so in case i still haven't went to the five dollar filament website either which i know i'm going to do it's just a question of when um and just um for the listeners on in talking about uh filament it does look like zeal tech is possibly like completely stocked back up again. You're not supposed to talk about that so we can get our orders in first. Well, you better hurry up. Before we get out of the filament, um, this edge stuff is actually really strong compared to other PETG that I've printed with, which is the eSun brand. It actually feels a lot tougher. I'm not sure what they're doing to it to make it that combination or whatever, but I printed like a 5% infill little head that I made that's on the links and um, normally 5% you can crush stuff and this thing is not crushable I mean I could stand on it and it wouldn't crush and it's it's actually it's printed with the the wider nozzle but still I mean it seems a lot tougher than most of the other stuff I've been printing with and then the uh, the PLA I've got a red PLA that I printed we've got another one that's green that I haven't used yet but the red comes out shiny so it kind of looks like the Zealtech shiny colors um, from what I've seen on you guys' prints. But um, it's got a really nice look to it. Yeah, I mean, it looks literally shiny. Um, and the one thing you say in here that this is 750 grams, I'm taking it that's not what normal roll sizes are? I think you normally buy a kilogram. The other, other thing about um, this particular company, everything is super high quality. You know, you buy a bolt from them, it's the best kind of bolt of that kind of bolt. You know, the I, what is the uh, bolt that is on the extruder? The hob gear. All that stuff is really nicely done. And I found, you know, the filament is the same way, but the filament's going to be pricey. Um, the hot ends are actually a pretty good deal for the quality you get. The other thing is, even though this company is in the UK, I bought the hot end and a couple other things from there. And it was like $12 shipping second day international. And that was ridiculous. Uh, when I bought the filament, it was a lot more expensive because it's heavier. But it was still only $20, you know, a couple days to Hawaii. That's insane. On top of that, if I go to Amazon, and if I don't use my Prime free shipping, I'm paying $12, you know, for a USB stick for shipping. So, um, you know, everything to Hawaii is 20 bucks. You can just plan on that if you don't have an Amazon Prime type of hookup somewhere. Wow. That's that, that's, that's kind of crazy. That is the price you pay to live in Hawaii, though. 
You're in that beautiful area of Hawaii. Come on. We all feel terrible for you, man. It must be hard. <laughs> We're thinking about you all winter. It's a hard life. And in the summer, it's 100 and something degrees in Texas, apparently. When I have to wake up and it's 30 below zero and I got to shovel my sidewalk to get out to my truck, I'll be thinking how bad it is for you in Hawaii. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I do a lot of international shipping. It's weird, like shipping in other countries is so much cheaper than in the U.S. for some reason. Like, uh, we ship stuff all over the world. And it's like to ship from Australia to Mexico is cheaper than to ship from the U.S. to Mexico. It's weird. Anyway, that's pretty off topic. So, Gotcha, gotcha. I, yeah, I will say this is the kind of uh, filament I'm going to have to bookmark. Because um, I will say what I'm learning is you literally have to weigh what it is you're printing. I, I truly understand now why I would want to buy basically some cheap filament, you know, just so like when my son was to print something, I don't want to say stupid, but just something that he deems not important. Well, then let's just use this other filament, son. Let's not use, you know, brand A. Let, let's use brand X. Yeah, when you're just printing stuff to test and, you know, configuring things and how does this material do if you make this kind of shape out of it and you're gonna print five of them and throw five of them away probably it's good to have a, a zeal tech on the list and then when you want to print something pretty then get a special filament you know glow in the dark or clear or something funky right now here's my question about the clear filament because my son asked me um is is there now we all know because because you told us uh um um Jonas, um, speed of printing on colored filaments can affect the appearance or the color or the brightness or the shine of those filaments. Printing clear filaments, um, is there a speed that can give you a more transparent look? And is there a way, like if you print a solid flat piece, that you can make it actually completely transparent and solid because i told my son just because it's transparent doesn't mean it's going to be transparent it just means that light will be able to pass through it looking at like um some of yours i still see like the lines do you think there's any kind of treatment or style or way you could print that would minimize the effect of the lines between the uh uh you know the uh printing layers it's going to be with translucent stuff it's going to be more translucent the more slow you go. So like on the vase stuff, if you're printing a vase and it's you're printing it slow enough to where the layers stick together because you want it to be a vase and watertight and all that, you're going to want to print it slow anyway. If you print it more quickly, it'll get a little bit more cloudy. And it'll also not get the layer adhesion that you probably want. But that's that might be just because of pet G because um, most things I've seen the good clarity stuff is pet G or nylon um, different colors of nylon um, tea glass so the tea glass stuff if you want it transparent you've really got to print it slowly so that it's warm and it melts together as a single piece whereas things like ABS and I guess mostly most PLAs um, you're not going to get that kind of clarity um, there's translucent PLAs, um, and they do get clear, but um, I don't know. I, I just think the PETG and the actual nylons do a better job of, of that kind of feature. 
Yeah, and they never quite look as good as they do in the pictures on the websites and stuff. Like, um, I've tried every which way from Sunday of printing stuff clear. And some of it's pretty clear. None of it's, like, glass clear or anything. Um, I don't know. Uh, I've even tried flame polishing a little bit, just taking a blowtorch over stuff real quick. And that helps a little bit. Your print warps, like, almost instantly. Um I've done that. That works with acrylic and stuff, like if you're machining it. Uh, actually, that Thomas uh, Sandalander, Sandalander, I'm not sure how to say his name. Uh, that guy just did a video on um, printing clear filaments, and he tries a few different filaments at a bunch of different settings and shows his results. It's pretty good, actually. Like it, uh, It's pretty thorough. It's worth watching. Um, if uh, I think of it, I'll uh, grab the Link's link and I'll already. post it that. Um, somewhere. Yeah, it seems like T Glaze and uh, Pet G give you better clarity. And I, I, I assume, I don't know because I'm not a material scientist or anything, but I assume part of it's one, you print those a little slower traditionally than PLA, and two, you're printing it much hotter, so you're going to get better bonding. Um, but ultimately, the answer is print slower and post process and minimal layers well and i'll say james i definitely had the impression in my head the image in my head of you cackling and laughing while you were flamethrowing your stuff oh of course (laughs) yeah any excuse to use a (laughs) blowtorch but no seriously um if you're careful about it i um Actually, I have flame polished the Podnuts case. I never got around to sending you. Um, if you're careful about it, you can take a blowtorch very quickly over a PLA print and turn it from matte to shiny. If you stop for even a second, it's going to warp. But um works on ABS all right, too. Um, it's a technique in the plastics industry that's used for like medical parts and stuff like that to get a nice smooth finish plastics machine so i thought oh why not try for 3d printing i'm less likely to blow myself up than uh doing the you know the acetone vapor polishing for abs um which i've done a little bit of that too but um yeah and uh if you're really fast about it and if the part's not got a ton of really thin features but the the uh, blowtorch and it's just, just a cheap propane torch from Ace Hardware or something works fine. You you don't want to stay in one spot for a, you know more than half a second or um, yeah it'll warp. I've yeah I've never used a blowtorch but I have a, a hotter rework station and a heat gun and I've I've used both to um, well straighten out bent prints and to clear stringing and then of course you, you can change the the surface finish like he was saying the the matte slash shininess of it with those um real quickly what is a hot air rework station for the people that don't know uh it's it's like a solder gun but it uses hot air yeah i use it to remelt your solder when you gotta take stuff off or to like um uh reflow like solder paste or something I use those too, and the blowtorch works a little bit better, to be honest. I mean, those worked all right, but the blowtorch, because uh, you could cover a real wide area real fast and really evenly, where the hot air gun was more of a directed blast, you know? 
Uh, but yeah, the blowtorch seemed to work a little bit better. Gave it a nice shine. That's the only way I found, uh, short of sanding and stuff like that. The only quick way I found to get PLA nice and shiny. Um, going back just a bit onto, uh, transparency and stuff. Um, I've printed quite a bit with, um, transparent, uh, TPU, which is a flexible filament. And what I've found personally, all of your, like, what kills the transparency is air bubbles. So the slower and generally the hotter you can get, you know, without, you know, causing deformations and whatnot, tends to work better to get the clarity better. And I've found by increasing the overlap of each, um, each uh, layer, not even layer, but between each uh, <laughs> each path, each of its, you know, the overlap path increases the uh, quality of the clarity. So just, rem you know, it's just the air bubbles is what gives it, makes a clear look like it's white almost, you know. You can also print, if you're using nylon, like a tea glass or something like that, you can also speed up the print and get different effects. So you, you take the translucent whatever color and you get kind of a milky version of that color just because you're going a little bit faster. And if you turn up the heat on it, um, you get different effects. And there's also, I've read that the strength of the nylon can sometimes be better if you run it a little bit faster, a little bit hotter, and get that thinner line, and basically, kind of like, um, I want to say, um, what is that filament you use for uh, fiber optics? Kind of like that. A long, skinny string of glass is stronger than the piece of glass by itself. That kind of thing. So the, the multiple strings of something together make it a little bit stronger, and if you're doing that in a pattern on a print, because it's you know horizontally around in a, a pattern, that direction is going to be stronger in that direction. So again, back to alignment of print, if you print something at a different angle to the extruder head, you can change the strength in different directions by doing different things. Gotcha, gotcha. And I will say, uh, looking more at those um, filaments, uh, Jonas, they really did a good job picking those colors and having the color choices. Having the multiple options for gray is just an example of how they put to me a little bit of thought into their colors. Um, and again, that website was e3d-online.com. One of the other filaments, um, again, Tom Salander talks about um, a couple of times, a couple of his videos over the last couple of years, is polycarbonate. And polycarbonate is supposed to be super clear material. If you think of your drawers in your refrigerator that are clear, that's polycarbonate. And you can print that, but you need a printer that'll do like 350C to 500C to get that to print properly. And according to that Tom guy, it smells really super terrible, and you have to you know, do that in a really open air place. So you wouldn't want that in your house. You know, I totally spaced it on that. I have some PC, and it is very clear compared to the PLA or PET. Polycarb is basically Lexan. Um, well, Lexan is polycarb. But yeah, it does stink when you... I've machined a lot of Lexan. It stinks when you process it. 
The thing to remember about polycarbonate is it like a lot of solvents instantly destroy it. So you don't want to like clean it with alcohol or acetone or anything like that. A solvents it'll just instantly shatter when they touch it. But yeah, I've never tried printing with it. It should be pretty clear, but yeah, I bet it really stinks. Yeah, it definitely stinks on the laser cutter. I I didn't notice too much of a smell, but I did it in my after I'd got the ventilation set up, so maybe that just means my ventilation's working or I've already burnt out my nose. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, it, it's some pretty impressive stuff. Gotcha, gotcha. And I'll finally say I remember now what the name Thomas Salanderander, whatever, reminds me of. And only a few people, I expect only a very few people who listen to this podcast are going to know this reference. But for some reason, every time I hear his name, I think of Bob Aluka, Luca, 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 Luca. Which was, the guy's, <laughs> which was the guy's name in a really bad movie from 1989 called Big Man on Campus. And I'm going to leave it at that. I vaguely remember that. I don't remember the plot or anything, but as soon as you said that, I have like this hazy memory of like sitting in a college dorm somewhere or watching USA Up All Night or something and seeing that. Oh, yeah, it, it, it is quite bad is what i want to say um and yeah tom salander or uh is one of those guys really smart guys uh he's the kind of guy if you watch any youtube for this type of content you have to sub you have to subscribe to his uh channel you you will get some good stuff yeah he he really breaks stuff down thoroughly like when he decides to tackle a topic he's like okay I did it exactly like this, and then I did this one side by side, exactly like this, and here's exactly how it turned out. His uh, his videos are pretty helpful. Very cool, very cool. Um, was there anything else on that on that topic that you guys wanted to go over? Okay. Um, okay. Um, a really good link, Jonas. Um, I'm gonna have to bookmark this. Well, so I'm, I know I'm gonna remember to go back to that site because it has really good hardware upgrades. But I'm gonna have to bookmark those uh, filaments for later use, kind of thing. Um, Chad wanted to go over uh, some of his up upgrades for his MPCNC, and I'll say where we left off. Chad, you made the MPCNC and you upgraded the actual um, spindle on it. Now, really quick for the the layman, what is the actual spindle piece on the um, MPCNC? Okay, I went through and I put a actual spindle on there, which is a 2.2 kilowatt um, spindle. Now, it's much heavier than the spindle that I was running on there before, which was just basically a roto zip. So, in turn, it made, um, when it moved, it was creating a lot of wobble and whatnot. So, I ended up having to, well, I don't know if I had to, but I did. Um, I took the MPCNC, uh, CXY roller compartment or piece in, in Fusion 360, duplicated it, made it to the other, to the back side of it so that I could add another uh, 
tubing set to it. So now it's got two tubes that run in on each axis and it has created a much much more rigid machine um, right now if you wiggle before you could you could almost rock the machine the just the spindle head back and forth with your hand you could see it move I didn't measure it but it moved quite a bit it was visible now if you try to roll it it moves the whole table not I mean you physically move my entire setup not just the spindle so it's created a much more rigid machine and I'm hoping with that and I feel very confident that I'm going to be able to easily machine aluminum on it if I wanted to I mean it is very rigid for what it is I mean it is still just <clears throat> uh, steel tubing thin wall you know it's not a very thick wall it's just EMT electrical conduit um, tubing but by doubling it up it has just created so much more strength in it and the movement is much more solid it doesn't wobble it just you move it to a point it moves there you move it it doesn't have the jitter that it used to have and that's kind of where I'm at now I'm doing some more upgrades and I'm planning on actually um, taking some other tubing stuff and redesigning the mounts to work with that which is even a more rigid material so that's kind of where I'm at with the MPCNC. Very cool, very cool. Um, I know it's a foolish thing to ask because I'm pretty sure the um, upgrade opportunities are endless. But are there any things that you can foresee yourself wanting to upgrade next or need to upgrade next? Well, <clears throat> yes. By doing what I just did to it, I've shortened... I've made my build platform smaller. So I'm going to be extending the build platform, but by doing that, since the tubing isn't that rigid, it's it's got you know, it's it's a fairly thin walled material. Um I'm going to try to redesign the um mounts and everything to take an actual it's a galvanized schedule 40 uh, three-quarter inch tubing and modify modify the model so that it'll work with that now that becomes hard because of they're all in STL you know so taking them putting them into Fusion 360 they don't always turn out so well but I'm going to probably end up just redesigning the whole thing if I do it that way. So, I don't know. We'll see how long it takes me to get that done. I'm not... I got 20,000 other things to do. I mean, I still have to make... I've got... Right now, I've got 12 clocks that I've got to make. And I might have to just run this system the way it is. So, so I don't know. Well, to quote Marty McFly, it sounds heavy. 
It's getting there. It's getting there. <laughs> yeah. The weight. Well, I know what you're, you were trying to make a joke there, but to be honest, the material I want to go to is heavy and sometimes weight equals rigidity in machining, you know? Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. I, I will say first, I'm really happy you're busy with all those orders and stuff, but then I'm, uh, I'm starting to think, are you going to force yourself to have a second CNC machine? I know you said you had something in the garage that you were wanting to finish building. Well, I have an actual like full aluminum built machine in my garage with um, actual ball screws and stuff on there and whatnot. But to be honest, I, I, I kind of like the platform of the MPA CNC better than that especially with the upgrades that i've just done it seems to move easier smoother but it is not as precise as the machine that's sitting in my garage doing nothing but yeah i am in the process of printing out all the parts to make a second mpcnc but that is going to be one that is going to be put on a cart and hopefully I'll be bringing that to craft shows and different things and be able to um, set it up so that I'm making stuff right at a craft show for people or trade show of whatever sort. Gotcha, gotcha. Uh, sounds sounds uh, good to me, man. Yeah, I was just going to say, I really like that idea. Putting one on a cart and taking it to shows. I want to see that when it's built. Yeah, that one, uh, it'll more than likely have, I've got an idea of how I want to set it all up. It's going to have, a, you know, some type of plexiglass or, you know, polycarbonate glass uh, containment so dust and whatnot doesn't affect everybody else around. But, and <laughs> one thing is, if you would have heard the machine previous to this, it was so loud. There's no way you would have been able to bring it anywhere. But with the new spindle, it's so quiet. You actually hear the cutting, not the machine, not the spindle motor just whining out, you know? Yeah, I'm in the middle of building a router. Well, finishing up building a router, too. And, uh, yeah, I got a 2.2 kilowatt water cool spindle and it is so quiet i was really amazed i was pleasantly shocked at how quiet it is i mean my travel servo or steppers are louder than my you know oh shoot the fans that run to cool the electronics are louder than my spindle by far it's just a weird hum that you hear yeah i'm sure we'll start cutting some aluminum sheet and that you know starts resonating <laughs> i'll probably hear it but at least i'll be hearing cutting and not just like spindle noise because you know those air-cooled spindles just scream even a small one is deafening like you be around it without hearing protection you know all day and keep your hearing well not only the noise on the air-cooled ones, it's the um, amount of dust it creates. Because that's yeah, basically a fan just kicks it everywhere. Everywhere. I don't even have to use my vacuum system with this new spindle. It just all the chips just kind of sit there, right where they're cut, 
It's super nice. Oh, somebody just gave me a three horsepower uh, blower motor today. Um, they weren't using. Um, so yeah, they just gave it to me. So uh, yeah, I'm thinking uh, be a cool vacuum system for the uh, router, and I want to build a downdraft table. They use downdraft tables on eBay. They're so freaking expensive for what they are. Like I think uh, since the guy gave me the motor, and it's a three horsepower motor, which you know, decent amount of power for that. Um, yeah, I'm thinking I'm going to build a downdraft table on the router and uh, do uh, you know fume extraction for the uh, for the laser and dust for the router. Yeah, I want to build a vacuum table. That is another project I want to do, but. I'm just so busy with other stuff. <laughs> my hobbies have become uh, making me busier than my normal job. Yeah, my hobbies became my normal job. <laughs> I don't know if that's good or bad because they're not hobbies anymore. But yeah, I'm going to build a vacuum table for this one. I've built a few. So when you get around to it, you know, if you got any questions, let me know. Um, a guy in the makerspace... Um, got he went to a liquidation of a uh this manufacturing plant and uh he picked up a really nice rotary vane vacuum pump that could probably like run a vacuum table you know 30 40 feet long or something like that and uh, he uh in exchange for um helping him out build a uh, smaller vacuum table for another machine he says he's telling me, oh yeah, we'll just put this on a this you know vacuum on a vacuum manifold system, and you can tap into it. You know, you can have all the you know vacuum we need like anywhere in the shop. High vacuum, like not like super high vacuum, like molding, you know, uh, resin infusion vacuum, but you know, like uh, you know, twenty five inches of mercury, still good vacuum all around the shop. So I'm kind of looking forward to that. Because I mean, a good vacuum like that, you can build a vacuum table. You don't even need to see in them. You can make the top of the vacuum table just a sheet of like eighth inch MDF, and it'll pull the air right through it. And you can hold stuff down, and it's going to act like a dust filter too, so you don't get any dust in the vacuum because you don't really want uh, dust in a rotary vane vacuum like a, I mean, the shop back vacuum tables, they don't care. But the really good vacuums, ironically, are much more susceptible. And uh, the shop back vacuums tend to burn out a uh, shop back pretty quickly, opinion. But So, yeah, I kind of lucked out. I got a free uh, uh, blower, and I'm getting access to this uh, crazy, powerful, huge rotary vane vacuum. And the guy got it for, like, I think 90 cents a pound he paid for all the equipment he picked up at this liquidation. It was great. Oh, is that the vacuum yeah. system where it's like a like you put it on top of a drum and it spins horizontally and it's got like two plates with veins in it and it spins and makes a vacuum that way? Like you've seen some I've seen some videos on some people building home versions of that where they've just put a motor under a horizontally spinning disc with veins in it. And they enclose that in something. I don't know how they put it together, but it drops all the stuff into a, a tub of some kind, and you put your pipes all through the shop wherever you want a vacuum. 
Yeah, same kind of system. What we're going to do is put like uh, drop chambers um, because like a vacuum, if it's like, you know, you, you have a dust collector and there's still a lot of air in there. It's moving air more than creating vacuum. You know, you're not even pulling like a 50% vacuum. But if you're pulling, you know, like a 98, 99% vacuum, there's not a lot of wind in there to carry the dust. So when you're pulling the air out when it like does come along with it i mean when it first starts sucking it'll suck a lot of dust in but after it's evacuated most of the air there's not really any wind to blow the dust so you have a chamber for the dust that does kind of get pulled along dust just drops right down to the bottom of the chamber it doesn't really like swirl around and get sucked up into the vacuum maybe you still for the real fine stuff you still want a good filter but uh, yeah, most of it just drops out because it's, it's suddenly in a vacuum. Like in this chamber, there's very little turbulence and very little wind because you know there's no air left in there. So it all just kind of falls to the bottom. Um, but yeah, you see the DIY ones and that's a similar concept. But uh, this basically is um, a, a rotary vane vacuum is basically out through an oil and a check valve so like um the check valve can't pull the oil back through it uh so like you you uh you're blowing fans through this kind of oil filled chamber and the little bubbles all like rise to the top so there's anything that gets pulled back is oil and uh, a little bit of oil does get back through and that gets recirculated so you can like pull a really good vacuum, you know, with fans, you know, like a triple rotary vane, uh, some of the more expensive ones, uh, like the one I have for doing the carbon fiber projects. I mean, you can pull like a 99.9% .9 vacuum with one of those things. That's, uh, you know, that's really kind of beyond um, what anybody's going to use for, you know, a vacuum table, but, you know, they're out there. And, uh, a lot of times, uh, it pick them up pretty cheap used, but if you get them new, they're pricey. Yeah, I'm seeing vacuum pumps, but not a lot of rotary vane vacuum examples. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, okay, we, we've been going on for almost two hours. Was there any other things that you guys wanted to bring up or uh, talk about? I didn't have anything. No, not really. I want to talk about my router a bit, but I think I want to wait till I run it a little more. Um, it's yeah wait till i'm done <laughs> gotcha gotcha uh i want to thank everyone for the support uh thank everyone for downloading uh please do not forget uh feel free to share a link to the show on your social media we are still not even 10 episodes in so we need more listeners we need to get more people on this uh show as well uh if you because if you notice we have a short um short um show tonight uh this is a open podcast platform that's not completely open uh all you got to do is send me an email at mail at .com. if you want to come on the show we can do a quick sound check see if it is acceptable and if so you can be on the next episode no questions really asked except what are you going to talk about um and if you want to send us an email all you gotta do is send an email to the makers at ponus.com or just go to ponus.com and click on one of the show links we have multiple ways to contact us through that and we will talk to everyone in about a week